0: Log Talk Radio.
1: This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash dungeon crawlers radio to start your free trial membership.
2: It's time. For Dungeon Crawler's Radio. Better than
0: ever. It takes one to know one. I stand on my own. Nobody, no one. Competition is none. Fight the mini-bomb. Fight the mini-bomb. Up, up, down,
1: down, left, right, left, right, B, A. Can I command. codes for contraband. Replace.
0: We are not authorized to access this area. <laughs>
1: And with that, we start another mini-boss.
0: And I'm here, too.
1: (laughs) Christy Entrance here. This is Revan. And we will be uh, welcoming shortly to the show author F. Paul Wilson to talk about his new book, Dark City, uh, which just came out uh, on October 15th. So uh, we'll be talking to him here shortly. Uh, just a few things uh check out Monday show where we'll be interviewing author joseph Nassis. he'll be returning to talk about his new book, Watcher of the Dark so kind of some, some darker theme you know it fits in with the halloween
0: uh, well, season It is the right month for that so yes, why not?
1: so and for those of you that missed last or this last Monday show, uh when we talked to Asana. Uh, Pretty much the writer, director, and actress, uh, main actress in the new upcoming horror movie, Hellskate. Uh, Check out our archives, as always. Uh, You can check out those shows, as well as all of our past shows. They're all available. Go to our website, dungeoncrawlersradio.com. You're probably there now, or you you can go to Blog Talk Radio and check us out that way as well. You can also download any of the shows on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Yahoo, uh, they're all over the place. Everywhere, everywhere, people. Yes. So, trying to infest the world. Yes. And, uh, you know, we're going to try to keep up our web presence. We're going to be putting out new blog posts on our page. We'll be updating our social media as well. So check all of that out. But I do have an exciting uh, news item that I want to to talk about. Um, we kind of brought this up back around, um, around Gen Con. Uh, Wizards of the Coast had announced the Dungeons and Dragons Arena of War app for uh, the the iPad and, and your iPhone. And that that has officially launched today, so you can go out, download it. It's a free download. I've already been playing it today. It's been super fun. Uh, you can pick your character. You go out and you complete your quest. You attack. You know, it's dungeon delving in, in the most fun form.
0: I have been wasting my time. Yeah. What was I um, doing at work?
1: Yeah uh it, you do start off with a certain uh number of classes and races you can play, but you know as you play more and more and you you level up certain of those classes you can un you unlock certain characters for like level two level three level four um, and not only that you can you can modify. Uh, your character's powers, which you know, boosts up their attack, their their health, and so on. So it is official. The Arena of War Dungeons & Dragons app, its uh, first-ever free-to-play, is available now exclusively for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch. Uh, it will be coming to Android soon. It's a turn-based 3D battle RPG mobile game that sends players on perilous quests through the Forgotten Realms. Um... As a proven fearless champion, the player is called upon to fight for the gods of good during the Sundering, a historic event in the Realms, which is going on right now. The nice thing is, is the da- as you're playing this game, the data is being sent back to Wizards, and they're going to take that collected data and how people played, and that's going to affect the actual new D&D Next role-playing session and how the, the Realms is for that. So so what are you trying to affect it for? for? Um... I'm playing lots of elves <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people will so.
1: I totally want to get a drow if it's available and play a drow it'd be awesome but um, yeah so it, it's a great mobile experience it's out there it's free uh, download it today you can actually go to uh, their website uh, which is Ge forward slash dd assets um, or you can look for it in the the, uh, the app store it, it's available there so yep. For those of you uh, that are excited about this, or maybe there's kind of a it it, it can it's a little mindless. It does take a little bit of tact when you're setting up your character, but the the fight sequence is pretty simple. You, mm-hmm. you touch your character, you you drag, and you know you point the arrow who you're attacking. And you can attack. Now the nice thing about it is is you can also set it up. You can play with your friends. Oh, so if you do have a, another buddy out there that's playing the game and you're both online, you can definitely link it up, so the two of you are playing at the same time. Now, this is really cool because it is online only, so you can't just play um, unless... You, you can only play it if you have an online connection, but you know, it is a little fun game that you and your buddies can play.
0: So Just so everybody knows, yes, I am downloading it. Right You're downloading now. it now? Sweet. I'm, yeah. So... I can spell dungeons, right? Yeah. Apparently I can't remember how just do Just do
1: DND colon, Arena of War, and you should find it.
0: All right. Um,
1: let's uh, move forward then. Da, 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 da. All right, I got it. Arena? Yes, I'm going to uh, give our interview, connect him to our call right now. And, yes, this is great radio, as you're being completely silent looking for the... Hey, well, I
0: don't have anything to say. I'm I'm trying trying to figure out why it says, no, you can't find me. Do a Google search and then snag it off their Uh, website. I'll do it later.
1: All right. So, again, uh, great shows coming up. Monday we'll have uh, author Joseph Macis on, and then we'll have F. Paul Wilson this evening, and then, uh, again, we'll have another mini-boss next week, and then that wraps up our mini-bosses for this month. Um, but new exciting stuff that's coming on the way, as well as our uh, Solid Comic Con interviews. Yes, we'll be wrapping up the editing on those, and those will be being pushed out this over the weekend and next throughout next week.
0: Just so everybody's clear, the video is actually done. All we need to do is just add the extra stuff—just the extra cool intros and exits, the extra stuff. <laughs> yes, the extra, <laughs> they're going to look extra. a little better because we didn't have great cameras this time at the.
1: Comic-Con. No, no, no. But uh, that will be changing. Uh, There's a lot of exciting things that will be happening over this uh,
0: next year. So stay tuned. As always, you know, we'll definitely be more on top. Yeah. This is definitely a new field for us entirely. Yep.
1: So, all right. I'll be bringing on uh, author F. Paul Wilson right now. Let's uh, see if we can get a hold of him. I love the fact that it's a silent ring. It's awesome.
0: What? That's not what we're hearing over the speakers. It must be in my ear. Yep, your ears are ringing. Well, your ears are ringing too?
1: All right. Well, it should be just another moment or two.
0: And with that silence, I love silence.
1: you got to love silence. Huh.
0: Well, well, we could talk a little bit about the book while he's or trying to get him on. Yes. Um, apparently, as this is the, part of the saga, the Repairman Jack saga. Yep. Um, well, for over twenty years, Repairman Jack has been one of the most popular characters in contemporary dark fantasy, blending science fiction, horror, and mastery or mystery elements. F. Paul Wilson weaved a deep myth- mythology around the beloved character in 15 highly original and engaging thrillers. In May 2012, the series came to a close A close with The Night World, mm-hmm. Wilson's definitive edition of a great, long, out-of-print work. Although previously published, Night World garnered a spot on the New York Times bestseller list, proving fans are still hungry for more adventure. Luckily... He did that by making Dark City. Yep.
1: Now,
0: is is this anything related to the movie? Because I sure hope not. No.
1: I mean, considering
0: (laughs) that movie came out years ago. Yes, but um, his saga was around for a while. Yeah. So.
1: Well, this is a brand new
0: book, though. This
1: book just came out in the 15th, so I don't think it's the same. Um, Just sent him a message waiting to hear back from him.
0: So we'll, we'll, we'll,
1: we'll eat up some time here. Um. I'm going to pull up a website here. I think I misspelled that.
0: What people do when they're waiting for somebody.
1: Yeah, it's lots of fun. <laughs> and there we go. Wow. Okay, so... Well, I know one big thing is uh, that happened over this last weekend was the season premiere for season four of Walking Dead, and a lot of people are clamoring about how amazing this is. I
0: kind um, of stopped watching after the second season, I'll be
1: honest. See, and, and my problem is I quit after kind of the third. I was good until about third season, and then it just kind of went downhill for me.
0: That's how I felt with uh, Lost. I watched three but, seasons, and I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah,
1: Lost is just something completely different, though.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying. Though they were both popular, and they were both mm-hmm. having—I mean, they're both super popular. People were like, How, "You got to watch every season." So mm-hmm. I started watching Lost and got to the third season. I'm like, "This feels like they're just dragging it out now." Mm-hmm. And then I got to I decided I'd watch the whole thing, and then I was like, the whole third season. I was like, uh, "Okay, I'm kind of done with you. Your story's not really going anywhere anymore." Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I was feeling after a while of watching The Walking Dead. I'm like, this doesn't feel as good as it used to. Yeah. It just feels kind of more... Well, they did change, I believe, directors
1: after, what, the second season? Or maybe it was the first one.
0: I don't know. Um, I didn't pay attention to that part. So,
1: hopefully this, uh... All right. So... I'm going to try to connect one more time
0: for our interview this evening. See if he connects. All
1: right. Add to this call. All right. And here we go. Let's see what happens.
2: Hello. Hello there. Hi, Hi. is this F. Paul Wilson? This is he. Let me turn up the sound here.
1: No problem. Oh,
2: wait, no. Okay, the sound is up.
0: Okay. Can you hear us just fine?
2: Yeah, can you hear us? I can hear you. Not great, but...
0: Okay. We'll start yelling if you need us to.
2: Can you hear me okay?
1: Yeah, we can hear you just fine. Okay. Wonderful. So thanks for uh, coming on the show tonight and talking about your new book. We appreciate uh, the opportunity. Uh, Can you kind of give us... A little background and, and story uh, revolving around Dark City.
2: Well, I've written—I always—I'm <laughs> bad with numbers. I think I've written seventeen novels about Repairman Jack as an adult, um, running—you know—running through New York City. And I've also written three books about him as a teenager before he ever came to the city. And I've ended the series as far as the main sequence goes. But the publisher asked me to do a few more, and I said, well, I'll I'll do three stories about Jack when he first comes to the city Mm -hmm. and how he meets all these people you're going to see through the main sequence. And it's called the Early Years Trilogy, and Cold City is the first one. That's out in paperback now, and Dark City. The second book just came out on Tuesday, so these oh, cool. are. This is Jack finding his way in the city. Okay. And um, you know he's he's really a callow youth. He's 21 years old, and he is not the seasoned professional urban mercenary you you see when you meet him in the tomb and the later books.
0: Hmm. Okay. That's cool. It's like a coming to power series, like coming to who he is anyway.
2: I'm sorry, your your voice is really faint.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Uh, or, or or I not. was just saying, it's
0: kind of like uh, he he's just uh, kind of a trilogy of him coming to who he is.
2: Yeah, you make it better three, that time? yeah, it covers his first three years in New York City. And he runs afoul of a lot of uh, various groups. And it, it sort of seasons him. It it, it it sort of tells him who he is and what he can do and how he can make a living in the city, living off the grid, because he has no social security number. Mm-hmm. He's never paid taxes and he has no official identity. So he's, he's living completely beneath the radar.
0: Hmm. That sounds like some people I work with. <laughs> At least
2: they tried it's anyway. harder to. Do. It's harder to do now than it was when I started the series. I started the series, I wrote the first novel in 84. Yeah. And I waited 14 years to write the second novel. And back in 84, it was an entirely different world. And even during, you know, from 1998 to 2001, it was still pretty easy to live off the grid. But mm-hmm. once the trade tower attack happened... All of a sudden, we have the Patriot Act, we have cameras everywhere, everything is clamping down. It's a lot harder to be it, invisible.
0: Yep, And so that's,
2: that's been reflected in the stories. He's, he's constantly dodging cameras, and um, he has to have much better fake ID than he's had before. So the series has evolved with the, the increased scrutiny of every uh, American citizen that has happened since uh, 9-11.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like how the book has kind of evolved to kind of so everyone can kind of feel that same sense
0: that it, that's going on,
1: in real life, actually yeah. happening. That's right. That's a better way of saying it.
0: Reflection, art reflecting life.
2: Yeah, um, the the books I always envisioned the series as closed end. So Jack evolves. I mean, he's he's pretty much a hard case when you first meet him. But you know he has a, develops a, a ongoing relationship with a a woman and her daughter, and that softens him somewhat. Um, but tragedy dogs his his trail, and he he keeps trying to get out as as the old Michael Corleone thing. He keeps trying to get out, but they keep pulling him back in. Hmm. Hmm.
0: So, what are you using for for inspiration besides the original trilogy? What are you using for inspiration for this uh, new trilogy?
2: Well, I, I looked at you know, what New York City was like in the you know, early '90s, and mm-hmm. it's nothing like it is today. Um, I used—I mean, I, I used to travel in there fairly frequently to meet with my publishers and my uh, my agent, and Times Square was a pretty grim place. Um, still a lot of prostitutes, a lot of druggies, you know the high end food store was anedix
0: uh-huh
2: so you know right now but starting in ninety four I think it was ninety four or ninety five you know Disney moved in, they bought the Amsterdam theater, they brought in the Lion King, everyone started opening theaters, there were brew pubs opening. And so it became very family-friendly. So if you go there now, I mean, it's still very crowded. You still have, you know, the, uh, the naked cowboy and all those, those types. But really, it's, it's, it's a very benign place right now. You feel very safe there. In the past, if you walked down 41st Street or 43rd Street, back in the day when, when mm-hmm. I'm writing the Jack's early years, you did not feel safe those Those were dark streets, and there were a lot of junkies on them and if you If you drove under the overpass on ninth avenue from the port authority building mm-hmm. there'd be cookers flashing in their hair as you drove by and then all of that is gone it's all been cleaned up. Ninth avenue is now like restaurant row there's almost every ethnic type of food you can buy uh in on 9th Avenue, but it used to be a place where people were sleeping in doorways, and there were the lights were off, and it was it was a little creepy.
0: So kind of like new, uh, like L A is today. <laughs> creepy. At least every time I've been to L A.
2: Well, it matters where in L A you go. I mean, Santa Monica um, certainly has its, its its sleazy areas, but it's also got you know. Uh, a lot of uh, n- nice, sunshiny areas.
0: It's true. Uh, yeah.
2: Melrose Avenue sure sure is can, can be creepy at night. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: Now, kind of the 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 primer that we received from the publisher states that you know Dark City is a really good uh, entry point for new readers um, coming into the series. Now, why would they say that? Is there just something particular about the book, or especially since
0: it's the second one? Yeah.
2: Well, you know, Cold City and Dark City, they're really where Jack starts. Okay. I don't, I mean, they, they, you, can, you can start the whole series with them. I think you'll get more out of them if you've read the main sequence.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Because you're familiar with the characters he's meeting. You're already familiar with the characters he's meeting for the first time. But the thing is, it is a good place to start because... Everything's new to Jack, and so everything is new to the reader. There's a lot of people who are picking it up uh, from there and, and going on. But um, I think it's a lot more fun if you already know these characters he's meeting and you, you're just waiting for for them to drop one of their you know, their stereotypical lines. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... His hangout is Julio's bar. It's almost his office. Mm-hmm. And Julio's bar is not Julio's bar in the early years. It's called The Spot. Julio doesn't own it. He's just a bartender there with a 10% ownership. And it's, it's getting sold out from under him. So Jack, Jack likes the place. So he does something to make sure that Julio gets to keep it. So, so these are the type of things that they mean more to you if you've read the main sequence. Mm-hmm. But they're still perfectly comprehensible when you start here.
1: So it, it's a good starting point, but for those you know diehard fans, um, it's it, it's really nice to go back and get those those finite details that happened before to kind of more complete the story for them. Yeah, sure. Yeah,
2: yeah, okay. it's better. It's better for the. I mean the. the you know, the hardcore fans who have read everything get a lot more out of it. But it still, it still shows you his personality in, in development. He's the type of guy who can... He doesn't like... He does what he calls fixes. He hires out to fix situations that society or the system can't deal with, like blackmail, things like that. Mm-hmm. So... But he does it, he tries to do it from behind the scenes. In other words, his his best fix in his mind is that if everything goes wrong for the bad guy and he thinks it's just a run of bad luck, he doesn't know that Jack's been involved or anything, but Jack has been pulling the strings behind the scenes, making those things go wrong. For Jack, that's that's the perfect fix. But in order to make the books more interesting, things never go quite the way Jack plans. So there's complications and he has to deal with it. He has a violent streak and you don't you really don't want to get on the wrong side of him or hurt somebody that he cares about because mm-hmm. then he he becomes completely ruthless. But bas- basically, he is a behind the scenes type of guy. He's a manipulator. That's what he wants to do. But it hardly ever works out that way.
0: Yeah. He ends up getting pulled into the actual events and then kind exactly. of like having.
2: He doesn't the- like anybody yeah. to see his face.
1: Yeah, interesting. I kind of like that dynamic where he wants to be the manipulator that's pulling the strings behind the scenes, but unfortunately events kind
0: of draw him into the the light in a way. I always liked characters like that. I'm wondering how I missed this series.
2: (laughs) I'm wondering too. Yeah, how did you miss that? Now I know what I'm going to be reading next. (laughs) The main sequence has a supernatural, a slightly supernatural element to it. Nice. In that... He becomes involved in a cosmic shadow war that he wants no part of, but unfortunately for him, you know, he's been tagged and sort of you're it. And he get and things become more and more complicated in his life as this shadow war starts taking over in his life and getting in the way of his life. And everything so I I do end it. There's a there's a book called Night World which ends, you know, his involvement. It actually ends the shadow war, at least on Earth. It goes on out in the, in the cosmos and the multiverse, but um, it ends it on this planet, at least for the time being.
0: So, do you? With with that being said, do you think that you may do like another trilogy or something that goes beyond it? Maybe not necessarily with uh, Repairman Jack, but. With maybe even another character, where it does come back to earth.
2: I've, yeah, I yeah. The thing is, I've one of the reasons I ended this series is because I think I've I played it out. Mm-hmm. I think you have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, and I think it's the time. It's time to fold them. And rather than you know, how many series have you seen that have been dragged on until they actually, the, you know, the author just drives them into the ground. I didn't want to do that. I really wanted to go out on a high note. And when I saw everything reaching critical mass, I said, you know, it's time to end it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a cap on the thing. And I said, I'm not going beyond that point. I'm not going beyond Nightworld. Because I pretty much ruined human civilization in Nightworld. And Jack is, his whole modus operandi is being the ghost in the machine mm-hmm. well, in night world, I wreck the machine, and so really he can't be Jack after night world, and so i'm I'm really not interested in writing uh, after night world now now game designer um, Hideo uh, Kojima, who did uh, Metal Gear, mm-hmm. he wants to do a Repairman Jack game post-Night World where um, a lot of the creatures that came into the world, some of them are left over and he has to deal with them. And, you know, that that would be fine as long as I don't have to write it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I I don't want to, I just don't want to take him beyond that. I may come up, if I come up with a, a novel that is perfect for Jack and I can plug it into the, the sequence, I'll do it mm-hmm. in, in the future. But I, I've been writing a new repairment Jack novel every fall, and uh, that's going to stop next year. Uh, Fear City will end that annual repairment Jack novel, and I'm going to move on to you know some more standalone type of novels and things like that. I'd like to do some more young adult. I have other things I'd like to do, frankly. Yeah.
1: Well, I, and I like the fact that you're kind of holding to your your guns there, saying, "Okay, I've kind of ran this story. You know, once this is done, it's done. And you know, Night World is your stopping point. And you don't want to move on. You want to move on to other things. And you know, Repairman Jack's story has been told from beginning to end at this point, and you're done. So yeah, that's great. Because there, there's a lot of authors, like you said, you know, they do right keep writing on a character and you just get to a point where like what this book is like stale it's like where are we going you know it, it's it's boring now so I'll that's be honest, well, say, you
2: know
0: i definitely feel that in some books
2: yeah you know i have my sympathies in, in that it's a, it's a reliable paycheck hmm and but the thing is you know there's also the idea of you know a legacy i mean this is my life's work mm-hmm. and I would like for people, you know, after I'm gone or after I've stopped writing, for people to take a look at it and say, you know, wow, this is good. He didn't ruin it. He really built it up, ended it with a bang, and said that's it. And so that was, that's what I would like my legacy to be, is that he knew when to quit,
0: mm-hmm. unlike,
2: you know, a lot of authors who really don't.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very true definitely going through a series of books that I'm wishing I didn't start.
2: (laughs) Well, I always think, I mean, uh, I, Spencer by Robert Parker. Uh I mean, I think the first 10 books were probably some of the best private eye fiction ever written. And I mean, it's up there with Chandler. And it also had a theme of, you know, the macho ethic in modern society And then books 11 and 12, things started falling apart. And after that, he just started repeating himself. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you could pick up any book after that, and they all seem either the same as... He didn't add anything to the first 10. The first 10, if you read those, I mean, you have read the series, and you don't really need to read any more. But now that he died, and they have someone else... Writing more, you know, Spencer books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, you know what it is? It's all money. The estate wants the money, and and that's where it's at. Like Robert Ludlum, I mean, there's a number of people writing, you know, Robert Ludlum books, taking his his old series, like the Born mm-hmm. the Born series, and carrying them on. It's a paycheck for the for the estate, but you know, it doesn't do any his legacy any good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Neither do the movies.
2: <laughs> well, I think the movies are are, are damn good. Oh,
0: oh, the movies are good. I mean, just saying they're thing. not really bringing the legacy because I I read the the first three books because I watched the first movie, and I was like, wow, these are really good. But uh, then the third movie didn't feel like it was part of the series, or the fourth movie, I meant, didn't no. feel like it was part of the series at all. Yeah. So.
2: Well, he did a lot of things before he ever did. You know Jason Bourne. I mean, yeah. his Scarlatti inheritance is one of my favorite favorite books. I mean, he influenced me a lot. My my novel The Keep is influenced by Robert Ludlum, Robert E. Howard, and, and H.P. Lovecraft. I put all three of those together, and and, and did The Keep, and and The Keep yeah, that was back in 1981. It's never been out of print. Wow. It was made into a horrible movie by Michael Mann. But um, it's it's one of those books that just never never stops selling.
0: I think I have seen that movie. <laughs> I know oh. I
2: have. Yeah. <laughs> my condolences.
1: Uh, I mean, you're right. The movie was horribly made. The book is much better. <laughs> so, uh, And that, that generally, I, at least in my opinion, that tends to be the case. The book is always better than the movie just because your imagination in reading those words can't compare to what you see on the screen. So... I the, only one, the only
2: one the only exception I can think of is Jaws where they stripped away all those useless subplots that were just really padding and they just kept it men on a boat on the water with a the shark in the water. And and that was really the the heart of the story. And Steven Spielberg recognized that. And that's you know I think it's a much the movie is much cleaner and more focused than the novel.
0: I would definitely agree on that one. I haven't read that novel. But
1: I know that movie uh, definitely put the fear uh, of the water, the open water, in several people. So oh, it made me want to open
0: pianos. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, I, but that's one of those movies where if I'm, if I'm channel surfing and I come across Jaws, I stop and I watch it. I, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that movie. But it's so well done that – and the characters, those three men on the boat are such distinct personalities. And, of course, you got the shark. Yeah. And, it, you know, I can't not watch it.
1: Unlike the sequels. The sequels I, I just ignored. But, yeah, no, the first one is, is great. You know, Roy Shriver. Um,
0: it was an amazing movie. Oh, who else is in that? I can't remember off the top of my head.
1: Oh, wow, I, I I drew a blank. Oh, Richard Dreyfuss, what? that's right. Richard what? Dreyfuss is in there. Oh, the, char- the 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 actors that play the main characters.
2: Roy Scheider.
1: Yeah, R- Richard uh, Dreyfuss, and then I can't remember the captains. Oh, God.
2: Why, why did you do this to me?
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, you're gonna pull up IMDb. No, but he All was me. he was uh, oh damn. Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw.
0: Oh, he beat me. See, there you go. IMDB, you fail me. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: you kind know, of you kind of hinted at, at that. So, I'm guessing there are plans after the last book here um, to move on to other books, or is uh, other is, is there another series you're thinking of? Is there maybe? No, you know,
2: I, I I'm I'm working on a, a young adult series with with Tom okay. Um And the first book should be coming out around the end of the year. It's a young adult thing because I I like writing for that audience. Okay. Um, But what I'm planning mostly are standalone novels. Uh, I mean, the repayment Jack novels are restricted to New York City. Mm -hmm. I took them out of there in one book. I took them down to the Florida Everglades. So basically they take place in the five boroughs of New York City and maybe some, some Jersey, but, I'd like, you know, I'd like to spread my wings a little and do an international thriller where I, you know, I, I go to the Middle East and I go to Europe and America, and just spread it out a little, just, just, you know, get out of that claustrophobic type of New York City thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, that's you know, just something for me. Um, thrillers are thrillers, I think. You know, all, all my Repairman Jack novels or thrillers with, with a horror element in them. Uh and any anything I write, I mean I've always written fantastic with a fantastic, you know, under you know, under theme, so to speak. I, I can't I mean I started off writing science fiction. I spent the eighties writing horror. Um I spent the nineties writing thrillers and I still write I mean, I've done vampire novels. I've done anything that sort of strikes me. I've been in every genre except the Western. I've even done a Western short story. So I guess I've actually done a Western. Hmm. Um, But whatever strikes me, I I mean, I I like pulp fiction. I consider myself a pulp fiction writer. And and that's what I I, I like to read. And I love thrillers. I love love high-octane narratives that just barrel along.
1: Nice. So how much um, kind of research and investigation goes into into your books, you know, so I mean, we can use the Repairman Jacks because it says here that you live in Jersey. Um, you know, is there ever a time that you're driving by and you see like a corner and you're like, oh, that'd be great in my book? And you stop and, you know, I don't know if you get out and just kind of look at the area and kind of piece it, the story together in your mind.
2: Well, I, I do that in New York. I mean I actually go in and um drive around looking for locations. I drive around with a little digital recorder and I, I make you know, I make uh notes on the recorder. Um but I try to set in different parts of New York City. New York City is just I mean Astoria Queens is so different from you know, uh East New York in Brooklyn, and there's a, I said a a, a part of the dark city in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, which is an absolutely beautiful tree-lined you know streets, brownstones. I mean, there's nobody who wouldn't want to live there, but you know there are other areas of Brooklyn uh, like Bed Stuy that you know you wouldn't want to go near. So. It's it's the city. I, I I try to use the city as a character itself. Um, yeah. But going back to you know the, this early years trilogy, when I went back to New York, nineteen ninety New York, um, there was there was a lot of porn around Times Square, but I, I trying to research that was very difficult because. There are no books about that that little period. If I want to know about 1850s at five points in New York City and how deep the mud was when it rained, I can find that out. But what did Times Square look like in 1990? Because I mean, I had been there, but you know, year after year, it all blends together, and yeah. so you're not exactly sure. And I went. So I did some searches, and I finally – it's amazing. I I came up with home videos that people took from the windows of buses as they were driving through, and it's on YouTube. And there it is. There's there's a visual record of exactly what it all looked like.
0: And
2: it was wonderful. I mean, it was – just it brought everything back to me. That um, they were driving by Bryant Park and all the fences were up, and I real I remember it. Oh yeah, back then they were remodeling Bryant Park, and they had they had it all fenced off, and you couldn't get in there. They were digging it all up. So it's right. This is right behind the uh, New York uh, City Library, and it was it was wonderful. It, w- it was a wonderful resource. I, I found a number of those those uh, home videos posted. So I mean, researching. 1990 New York is a lot harder than researching 1890 New York. Strange, but yeah,
1: that's it is. What it is. well, I mean, I think that's a, that's great that uh, you know you were able to get that information from YouTube videos. I mean, it's kind of you know we kind of wonder what what would our lives be without that. Even though it's as silly as that is, um, you know, that it is a great resource for things like that.
0: That's a wonderful thing about the internet.
2: Oh. Yeah, I mean when I when I wrote the first repairman Jack novel, I was looking for some sort of a I I'll say a monster, but I mean I, some sort of mythical supernatural adversary. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to the library. This we're talking 1983. I would go to the library, and I would paw through all these card files. And I finally found something called, well, the Bengali word is rakash, and the uh, the general Hindi word is rakshasa. But there was like temple demons that were flesh-eating, human flesh-eating. I said, oh, this is it. I've never heard of these. This will be really cool to use. So just for the hell of it, you know, you know a few years ago, I put in Indian temple monster, Indian temple demon, or Indian demons, and I got 250,000 hits on Google. So, I mean, I wish I'd had Google in 1982, because it would have saved me hours and hours of of research. But that's the way it is. So now it's much easier to, to, to look up this kind of stuff.
1: Nice. So, uh, with you moving to the, the 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 new books where you're saying you want to put it in different places of the world, uh, is it gonna? Are you gonna be traveling, or is it gonna be pretty much you know Google searches and and videos and items like that? I mean, how will that research change? Because you know, right now it's pretty much a short drive away, and you can wander around New York. So, how will that differ? Right.
2: It's it's. Um, I mean, I. I I wanna set something in the Mid East. You know, I'm not really crazy about travelling to the Mid East. Yeah. Um, but... And but I may go. I may go. Uh I, I I'm looking at a place in the in the Pyrenees to set something and I may I may I that would be an easy trip to make. Um so I have found that there's really nothing better than being there. Although with Google, it's, it's getting easy. The Google Maps and stuff like that. It's getting easier and easier because you can actually, walk, in a sense, walk down a street in a foreign country. You don't get the smells, you don't get the sounds, but you can actually get the look, the look of it. And um, it's kind of cheating, but you know, I, I may do a combination of both. I just don't see myself um, – I'm not really not crazy about going to Israel. I mean, I want to set a, a, a scene in Israel, but I'm not really crazy about going there. Um, you know, everything's so – in such turmoil. Yeah. That, uh, I don't want to get in the middle of that. But I, I will definitely, I think, go to the Pyrenees. That's a, a really deserted part of Europe. There's not those Pyrenees mountains. There's places there where there's like one person per every ten square miles or something like that. So uh, that's a good place. You can you can do almost anything there if you want because no one's going to see it and no one's going to be able to correct you.
0: That's interesting. That reminds me of places I've been to in China. They have they have so many people there, but they're all like down the coast. So. There are so many places you can go to where there's, like, nobody.
2: Hmm. I'm sure, yeah. Inland China, I'm sure is. Well, I mean, the United States, just driving through Pennsylvania, it's you know, western Pennsylvania is pretty much empty.
0: Oh, Kansas. Oh, well.
2: (laughs) Pretty much all of Kansas. Kansas, I always see corn. (laughs) I always see planted fields. You go through western Pennsylvania, you don't even see that. You just see forests, you know, hills. Hmm and forest. So there's plenty of room for growth here.
0: Yeah. Definitely true.
1: Wow. So yeah. you have any further, any more questions? Oh, uh, not, no, not really,
0: actually. <laughs> <laughs> he answered them pretty much by talking. So <laughs> now Dark City is
2: currently
1: uh, out on the shelves. they uh, came out uh, officially October 15th, correct?
2: Tuesday,
1: yes. So Tuesday. So it's out there anyone can pick it up as well as the you know, the, the book before Dark City was what again? Cold City. Cold City. Okay. And then there was And were, that's
2: out in paperback. That was okay, out paper. October 1st. So probably be, you know, ideally start with Cold City, then you buy Dark if you like it, you buy Dark City.
1: Or if they want to jump ahead, they can read the the first trilogy. Correct?
2: Well, they can start with the tomb. Okay. And that'll take you into the main sequence with all those 17 books. All right. But I think, you know, most people, it's like crack, you know. I got to say, people who start it really tend to continue.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And that's how a good series should be, in my opinion. You know, you you hook them in really well, and then you got to read the rest.
2: I keep telling my publisher, you know, give away the the first book free.
1: Yeah, (laughs)
2: But they don't like to do that.
1: No, they don't. But, you know, at this day and age, they could easily give away the e-book for free.
2: Oh, you know? Exactly.
1: And then get them hooked in that way, and then, well, the rest are yours. you got to buy it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and then if they're anything like me, I'll read the e-book and go, man, i got to go get the hardback because
0: I like the fill of a I like the feel of an actual book in my hand. I have a hard time reading the uh, e-books. I have to actually read it from paper. Yeah, so
2: well i've been a long time book collector but i love i i love my Kindle you know i'm going i'm flying out to chicago tomorrow and yeah you know, i've got i got hundred eighty books in that thing just i just i just love it i can i got re- i've got research books i've got i've got novels i've got books that publishers send me to blurb i you know they they want to send me a hard copy i say no 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 Send me a Word document or a MOBI file, and I'll stick it in my Kindle, and that's the way I'll read it. Nice. So.
1: I mean, that is the, the, the kind of the nice thing about those is you can literally have hundreds of books on you, and it weighs less than one book normally does. Um, so, so that is the nice point of that. But
2: and um, really, you know, when publishers send you a book that hasn't been published yet, they want a blurb.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, they used to send me a 500-page manuscript. Oh wow. And, you know, or, or or an ARC, I mean, which is like, you know, 400 pages long or something like that. And you have to lug that around. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, so now it's in my Kindle. I'm much more apt to read it. Otherwise, I just, I, I'll leave it home when I go on a trip. I don't, I'm not going to lug that onto a plane.
0: Yeah. No, I don't blame
2: you. So it's much better this way for me. For me, anyway.
0: Yeah. I'm sure gift stores aren't very happy with it because now they're like, oh, nobody's going to buy our books in our in our gift shop- shops.
2: Yeah, I know. I, it's it's hard for the independent book you know the booksellers. Um, you know. That's what happen. You know, that's what happens with all technology. That I mean, how many typewriters do you see nowadays? You know, use a typewriter anymore.
0: That is a very good question. I still have a typewriter. <laughs>
2: yeah, but do you use it?
0: I will if I ever find Ribbon for it.
2: Yeah,
0: there you go. Which they probably don't sell anymore. I can't find it yet. I'll probably find it on the internet. But uh, it is kind of fun just to hear the clacking every time you hit something, and then the ding.
2: (laughs) You can get programs that will do that on your um, your keyboard. (laughs) There you go. Get an app for that. (laughs) Yep, you can definitely. All right, guys.
1: Well, thank you for your time this evening. Uh, for those of you out there, uh, Dark City, it's out on the shelves now at your local bookstore, Amazon, or pretty much anywhere you can buy books. Uh, it just came Definitely out last go Tuesday. Buy it. Yeah. I'm going to have to buy go. Multiple buy multiple
2: copies and give them away.
1: Yes. Because Christmas right. is on its way. Have a great evening, and thank you for your time. You
2: too. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. You could also just send one to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh I'm
1: I'm sure I can ask the publisher. No, I'm just kidding. Though. But uh, so, <laughs> okay. Tor Books. Yeah, this is published by Tor Books. It came out last Tuesday October 15th. Uh it's part of the Repairman Jack series, again Dark City, and this is the prequel to a series of 17 other books. So if you like really uh, really good series, uh check this out. And, um yeah, I it's a dark fantasy. It has a blend of science fiction, horror, and mystery elements within it. So I'm if you like any portions things. of that, yeah, go pick this up. So um, we're going to wrap this show up. We're almost done. Uh, check out Monday's show. We have author Joseph Nassist coming on to talk about his uh, new book, Watcher of the Dark, which is actually the third book uh, in this series. So... We had him on last time to talk about the previous book which was King of the Dead. Um and this is the sequel to that book. So um Yeah the first book show. was Eyes to See, King of the Dead and now Watcher of the Dark. Uh it is just a very, very great book series. It's based in New Orleans. Um with Jeremiah Hunt, uh which has he pretty much lost his eyes but he can see supernatural things now. Um, because of that, he's been given that ability. So it's it's a really great series. I have the first two books. Um, yeah, I mean, just the cover alone has Jeremiah Hunt with no eyes, He's scraggly hair, this hat, and there's this like tentacle creature on the cover Cthulhu? with Lulu. I'm just it's kidding. <laughs> kind of it kind of looks somewhat like that, but there's like giant monoliths or piles of skulls.
0: So yeah. But it still could be Cthulhu. Could who knows? I mean that the pile of skulls definitely does not say it is not Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um,
1: I mean, if you wanted, I'll just give a, a quick primer on this. Um, so
0: let's see, uh, New Orleans was, let's
1: see, New Orleans was nearly the death of Jeremiah Hunt uh, between a too close brush with the FBI and a chilling soul searing journey through the realm of the dead that culminated with a door or a do-or-die confrontation with death himself. But now Hunt is back and on the run in Watchers of the Dark. But when he performs an arcane ritual to reclaim the soul of the magical, or magically gifted beautiful woman who once saved him, he must flee the law once again to Los Angeles, the City of Angels, a temporary sanctuary. In L.A., he has to contend with Carlos Fuentes, who sees in Hunt a means to obtain the mystical key that would open the gates of hell. Yeah.
0: Why do they always say keys? Is it like there's multiple doors? I'm just curious.
1: Of course, there is. There's multiple ways. Didn't you didn't you pay attention to Percy Jackson? There's the Hollywood sign, which is just outside of of (laughs) L A.
0: Yeah, that's Hades, not hell. There's There's, there's different. I'm sure there's one in in Kansas. Hell doesn't have uh, have paradise in the middle of it. Um. Okay. I'm just saying. Well, there's 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 nine
1: levels. So who knows.
0: Right? D&D. Nine levels. Based off of Dante's Inferno. Yeah. so there's no paradise in that one either.
1: Um, well, if you're a bad guy, it's probably paradise. Uh, if you like being tortured, maybe. Well, I'm sure those people that like being tortured, it's paradise. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, anyway. <laughs> and then uh, comic book artist Travis Walton will be on next Thursday when we do our next mini-boss so uh, tune in, check us out, check our website, Facebook page, Google+, Twitter, YouTube. It's all going to be
0: updated. You'll see lots of exciting, fun things coming out over the next couple of weeks. And we uh, promise that we won't just sit there and watch him draw and just say, hey, he's doing a good job there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, who knows, maybe we can hook up a
1: webcam or something. I don't know. We'll see. And then uh, October 28th. Uh, we will have Graham Stark on talking about the Desert Bus, which is a charity fundraiser they do every year, and we'll have more details on that. Uh, of course, that will be Flagoons' girly, giddy moment. So until then, uh, we'll catch you Monday. Have a yep. good one.
0: Bye.